0: Welcome to Rock Harbor Church's channel on Sermon Audio. We hope this message is a blessing to you and helps you in your daily walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So please, settle in and grab your Bibles. Here's Pastor Brandon with this message. Anyway, let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to come together. And Father, we just ask that you would back off the demonic forces that are messing with us. Um, These cowards, these invisible cowards, Uh, that always want to toy around and mess with us doing your work, doing your job, getting the truth out, and uh, we ask that you would back them off. We are sick and tired of them. We are sick and tired of them messing with us and toying with us and preventing us from doing the work that you've called us to do. So we ask now that you would uh, uh, send your angels to protect us, send your angels to fight them off, and get rid of these cowards. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to go, uh, leave off and, uh, we dealt with the sin nature and, um, we're talking about that and how it relates to us and in understanding theology because theology, remember we talked about it hits four areas, how I view God, how I view reality, how I view others and how I view myself. And so the first thing that that the Bible is trying to establish is, yes, you're made in the image of God, but you have a disposition inside of you that's wanting to do wicked and evil and sinful things. And that becomes the problem. Um, It's a problem not only for unbelievers who are slave to this this disposition, but it's also a problem for believers who have a new disposition and a new nature that wants to actually obey. But then part of them or inside of them, there's another part that wants to disobey. And that's where um, the, the battle for the believer is. Okay, so in understanding this, one of the things that, that you have to view yourself is that you, that you can't trust yourself. That's the first and primary principle is that you can't trust yourself. And I know that goes against the grain of modern psychology or modern self-help or modern, you know, uh, uh, you know, steam issues. You know, this concept that you keep hearing in, in, the, 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 in the, the society of, well, just trust your feelings and trust your heart and trust trust, you know. No, no, don't. Do not trust your feelings. Do not trust your heart. Do not trust what you feel. If you live by feelings, which I'm going to point out on Sunday about Sodom and Gomorrah, the first step into a decline is that you're ruled by your feelings. That I define myself of how I feel. And that's a very dangerous proposition to get into, even as a believer, because I would say the majority of Christianity is based primarily on feelings. And that shouldn't be. So we have huge, huge wings of Christianity. Those who practice Christianity, I'm not saying they're not believers, but we have what we call the hypercharismatic wing of Christianity. They are led by feelings. And they make up stuff and make up spiritual practices that, um, that don't follow the Bible. Like, you know, a lot of the Calvary chapels will practice an afterglow. I don't know what that is. Who made that up? Where did that come from in the Bible? But yet you'll have all these Calvary chapels, uh, not all of them, but many of them practicing an afterglow. Where did they get that at? Because it doesn't come from the Bible. Or a soaking thing, uh, you know, uh, prayer soaking, or grave soaking, stupid things like that. You're like, where did you get that at, man? That doesn't come from the Bible. Oh, a second blessing or something like that. i, I got to have a second blessing. What second blessing? What are you referring to? Because I don't know what the second blessing is referring to. Oh, if you're using the book of Acts and you're using that because people hadn't been baptized by the Spirit, then you don't understand why Peter has the keys of the kingdom and has to open the door to those, king, to those people groups in order for them to receive the Holy Spirit. So you must not understand the Jewish background in order to make a statement like that. But see, if... If your religion, your practice of Christianity is based on feelings, then you will not come under authority of the word of God. That becomes the problem. They'll say they do, but then if they feel, well, I don't feel the spirit is here. What do you mean? You don't feel emotional? You don't feel... You don't feel the right music. What is it? No, it is stuff like, oh, I just don't, you know, I don't feel the right music or something. Or I don't feel the feeling inside. Well, I'm sorry. I don't know what that means because that's not how we're to operate. We're to, our emotions actually follow our belief, not vice versa. So I don't believe things because I feel things. I believe things because I hear propositional truth and I believe the truth and my feelings may or may not come with that. It depends. Um, so I'm not devoid of, uh, of emotions, but I, this is the problem we're having. And so what ends up happening is you be, are ruled by emotions. You're going to be ruled by a deceitful heart. And that deceitful heart will take you to places that you don't want to go and that you don't you shouldn't be going. And you get into deception, your personal deception. So that being the case, if people, don't, if people trust themselves because they trust their heart and they trust their emotions, then that sets them up to be deceived by, this, by Satan, by cults, by new movements, by all kinds of things. Okay, so let's go on in society. If the person continues to live by being ruled by emotions and by their heart, What will end up happening is instead of coming under the authority of the word of God, the person will come under the authority of themselves. Okay, so they become the ruler of themselves and how they feel. So based on feelings, they dictate what they're going to do and what identity they choose to have. Okay, that's a big deal. Now, I can use the example of... uh, feelings-based identity by the whole transgender movement that's a feelings-based identity right and that's the problem is because you're getting into an arena that is a form of mental illness and if you go keep going towards that that mental illness and you start thinking you're this when you're not or whatever it might, I don't care what you think you are. well Maybe you have a rejection identity. Maybe you have a shame identity. Uh, or, you know, whatever, transgender identity, whatever. If you're not receiving your identity from propositional truth from God, then you're making up your own identity. And when you make up your own identity, you start playing by your own rules. That this is okay for me to do because I feel it's good for me. And I've had co- people, quite frankly, tell me that it's okay for them to commit adultery or it's okay for them to um, just commit all kinds of lewd and lascivious acts because they feel that they're above the rules, that it's different for them, that they're the exception because of their feelings dictating that to them. And that's what gets a lot of people in trouble. you know. And you hear songs like that. How could it be so wrong when it feels so Right? Right? <laughs> You hear songs like that and you're like, who made up those lyrics? My gosh, um, it's wrong. I don't care how you feel. Um, and there's all kinds of stuff like that. People do. So anyway, what tends to happen then is if you don't receive your identity from the Lord, which means you have to take in the whole identity, made in his image, but marred by his sin nature. You have to balance the two, right? And if you don't, you'll end up in a society that starts making up their own rules based on how they feel. And that's a dangerous thing, because what we're seeing in society is that very thing happen, and it's not just simply the transgender thing. It's anybody that, like, you know, if you feel like you want to save the planet, you feel like the planet's dying or whatever, then, then you go off into this crusade with Greta Thunberg, And and you 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 join the cult of climate change because it's a cult. It's a flat out cult. But what do they they feel that they got to do this? They feel even though the facts and evidence are not there. They feel they have to do this. Let's continue on with this. So when you have a society or or, or, a, a wing of Christianity, that's all feelings based. What you will see from that is high, high levels of immorality, high levels of immorality. You'll see it in the wing of the charismatics and you'll see it in the wing of of the society that does that. And we know the society is doing that, but it's obviously getting worse, right? Um, But typically sometimes, and I'm not saying all of Christendom is immune from this, but we do see higher levels of immorality in the hyper charismatic movements. Why is that? because of emotion it's driven by emotion most of the scandals that i read about that are happening behind the scenes are coming from that wing of christianity i'm not saying all of it i'm saying there's there's parts of there's apostasy happening with the southern Baptists. there's apostasy happening with uh you know uh calvary chapels and and you know presbyterians lutherans and all that other stuff but you'll see a more, uh, more of it happening in the charismatic wing because of the emotional-driven state that people get in. And that's dangerous for them. So we shouldn't be shocked when you know we're on the precipice of legalizing bestiality. I mean, Spain is already doing it, and eventually it'll come there. Or then legalizing pedophilia, and they're not going to call it that. They're just going to say uh, they're going to lower the uh, statutes for... Uh, age of uh, when you can have sex with a minor that 's what they 're basically going to do this is going to lower the age, and that 's what you expect to see because it 's based on feelings and this is what this is this is the the, the, the term why well, I was born this way I feel this way i w-. so they they assume it was born into them well it 's not it 's the sin nature making you feel that way. You're not born that. There's no gay gene or whatever, transgender gene or whatever, or you were put in the wrong body or whatever that the mindset is. It's, it's um, the feelings, because you're being ruled by feelings, is being dictated by the sin nature telling you this and misleading you. So you have something in you that wants to deceive you and will do so if you let it. And that's a dangerous thing that all of us have to fight and it's a pretty serious still to be self-deceived is like one of the worst prisons you can put yourself into because you won't even know you're deceived. So people will ask me, you know, well, well how did they get into the state? Oh my gosh. You know, it's because earlier in their life they decided to go down the path of emotion, down the path of how I feel. And 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 therein lies where the conviction was at. Therein lies where, you know, the Holy Spirit was convicting them. Even uh, even the law in their heart was convicting them, as Paul mentions in Romans chapter two. And it started then. Now, when it started, maybe their teenage years, their junior high years, their twenties—I don't know—but it was convicting to them. But what ended up happening is they allowed the sin nature's feelings to override the conviction. And the more you do that, and you let your emotions override the conviction, override the conviction as the Holy Spirit's bringing truth, bringing truth, bringing truth, it calluses your heart to where you keep doing that. Eventually, you don't feel any conviction for what you're doing. You don't feel the Holy Spirit prompting. You don't even feel the conviction from the the law on your heart anymore. You won't believe that murdering is wrong. I mean, that's what the globalists do, right? They don't have any conviction whatsoever to slaughter millions of people, do they? They have no conviction. Just line them up and take them out. That's their mentality. You're like, how do these people sleep at night? Because they have no conviction. That's how they got there. But it didn't start there. It started way back in early in their life with their emotions. And their emotions overrode revelation from from God and conviction of it. So... This is the problem that we have. So this is the the challenge in sanctification is that we're to remove blind spots. And the reason we're blind because we've la- we, we don't have the conviction anymore in that area because we've allowed our emotions to take over. Okay, so then how do I backtrack out of that? How do I how do I go that, how do I, how do I become more self-aware? Of what I've turned into and not knowing that well, first of all, other people will warn you typically the when you're around the body of Christ. If you're not getting the proper reaction that you thought you would get from certain people, that's a good sign. So the body of Christ actually will convict you when you're not listening to the Holy Spirit. Well, what do you mean? Well, when people come to me and they say, Brandon, I don't know. I, I just don't have any friends. Okay. Did you try did you try to make friends? Yeah, I try to make friends, but you know, re- really no one wants to hang out with me. Well, then the problem is not them, it's you. And why are you not self-evaluating to see what in the world's going on with you? Cuz if you have no friends and no one wants to be your friend, then there's something you're putting off as a signal that you want to be isolated. And that's why people are backing off. That's why people don't gravitate to you. So you're blind to it. But the people around you are sending, sending signals to you. Okay? So that's a, a, one example. So the body of Christ will tell you. Second, you're not listening to the word of God. Well, what do you mean, Brandon? Well, in every passage that you read, you cannot read the scripture just to get content. Okay? Okay? That's like what we do with our our Sunday school kids on Sunday mornings. We're just giving them content with a little bit of application to their level. At your level and my level, at the adult level, I already know the story of Jonah, I already know the story of Moses, I already know the story of of, you know, Satan's temptation of Christ. So how do I go farther? I have to then apply the situation to me and I must play the role of the bad guy in every story. In every story, I must play the role of the bad guy. If you're reading about Moses and the Exodus, you're Pharaoh. I'm Pharaoh. And when you look at that, you will learn a lot more Instead of you putting your position, you in the position of Moses or you in the position of Jesus. So if you're watching Jesus deal with Pharisees, don't put yourself in the position of Jesus saying how stupid the Pharisees are. You put yourself in the position of the Pharisee and that it's Jesus rebuking you in the story. Okay? That's how you have to start reading the Bible. Most people don't read that because they're too narcissistic. So they read into the Bible like they're the savior of the world. And I'm not saying you are, I'm not saying, but when, but but when you hear like some of the commentary from people like doing a blog or doing a little podcast and you hear the way they apply the scriptures, it's like they're the best thing since sliced bread and they're putting themselves in the position of Jesus and not the demoniac that's naked in the, in, in the tombs. Oh, they no, I'm not, I'm not that guy. No, you are that guy. You are that guy to some degree. And so when you're studying, that's how you start looking at yourself in the mirror through the story. If you read James, don't say, well, he's talking to someone else. James is saying adulteresses and adulterers. Don't you know that friendship with the world, uh, with the world is enmity with God? Oh, I'm not doing that. No, no, I am doing that. And what, to, to what degree am I doing this? You see how I'm saying? You, you, you cannot just back yourself out of a story. That's not me. No, no, it's all of us to a degree. Maybe not the level of evil Haman, right? Maybe not the level uh, uh, of some of the bad characters like, but, like Pharaoh. But to some degree I am. Because I have to admit that because I have a sin nature inside of me and there's a portion of Pharaoh in me. There's a portion of evil Haman in me to whatever degree, I don't know, but it's there because I have a sin nature. So it's, so when you read the Bible, you have to read it with the consciousness of a sin nature inside of you. And, 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 and dealing with the reality of that helps you to combat it. If you don't know your enemy... How are you going to fight your enemy? You have an enemy living within you. That's pretty scary. That's real deal stuff. And that enemy wants to destroy you. And that enemy will shorten your life. That enemy will want to kill you. Because that's what this nature wants to do. It wants to eradicate you. So that's pretty scary. But I don't think most people grasp what's really going on inside of them. And and what depths... That this thing can take them to now when I uh, and, and in the depths, I'll talk about it right now. People say, I just I, I, I just um, don't believe that a Christian could do X, Y and Z. And I'm like, oh, you, you, you have no idea. You have no idea. Well, well, and then they're going to pull the Calvinist thing or then the Armenian thing. The Calvinist thing, well, they're just not saved to begin with. No, per, no Christian could do such awful things. True, you know, I, I get the, the, the wheat and tares thing, but that's one category. But the other categories are carnal, immature, worldly, uh, you know, Laodiceus, Sardis, all that stuff. I've seen some of the worst behavior from Christians worse than pagans. Absolutely worse. Now, the Calvinists can going to say, well, they never were saved. And then the Armenian said, well, they lost salvation. But the problem is, there's other categories to that say that, is, that person is saved, and they have let their sin nature take over. And that's what's happening. They're carnal. Okay? So the, the carnality of the sin nature has now taken over, and it's taken them to places they never thought they would go. And that's scary. And, you know, Adrian Rogers used to say it the best. And I don't know if you ever listen to Adrian Rogers, one of my favorite preachers um, he said this, sin will, will take you farther than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay and it'll make you pay more than you wanted to pay. And he was right. If you allow that to happen, it will do that to you. Now there's a way back obviously through repentance and confession and all that stuff. There's no doubt about that, but it's, it's like, let me give you an example. When the Jews sinned against God, they didn't just sin a little bit. They went full Monty. I mean, hog wild when they did sin against Yahweh. So it wasn't like, well, we just got a little off the road. They would go way off, way, way, way off. And, I, and notice the same pattern with believers. It's not that, well, they get off the path a little bit. Now, we all do that and... Find our way back. But when they really want to go, they go. And they really tear up Jack. They go. And it's 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 quite amazing, but at the same time, you have to bring in the reality well, they have a sin nature, and that's what the sin nature can do. Okay, so how do you combat the sin nature that's in you? Well, first of all, it's by faith. You combat the sin nature by faith. Well, what do you mean? Well, Paul in Romans 6 will say that you have to consider it dead. You have to reckon it dead by faith. That you've died with Christ, now are alive with him in his resurrection. So you've died to the sin nature, therefore, you must crucify it every day. Okay, but how do I do that? Well, it's by faith. What do you mean? Well, faith is trusting in propositional truth. It doesn't mean that you do something. It means that you believe something. And if you don't believe it, then the sin nature will actually come alive in you. And that's what God's saying. So you have to believe that you do not have to access it anymore, that it's dead to you that you do not have to respond to it. Because what's happened really in in the the exchange of of salvation is one of the things you've been given is freedom of the will. And um, the freedom of the will is a big deal because before you got saved, your freedom was bound or, or curtailed by the sin nature. Your will was enslaved to the sin nature. And, and didn't have any freedom. And so, now that you're saved, your will is now free. But free to make a decision. And it's free to either access the, this thin nature or access the new nature. And that's where the decision lies. And if you're going to access the new nature and not access the sin the nature, it's by faith. It's by faith alone. So that in your sanctification... It's not about you doing a bunch of stuff. It's like, well, I'm just going uh, to prevent myself from um, um, committing whatever sin it might be. Okay. Okay. And so you're going to put safeguards in your life, and you're going to do it by works. Okay? If you, if you try to prevent yourself from sinning by works, you're just simply going to incite the sin nature even further. Okay, that dealing with the sin nature by works is ineffectual, according to the Apostle Paul, Colossians chapter 2. He says, you, you do all these things, they have the appearance of wisdom, but they do nothing to basically stop the sin nature. So people say, I don't touch this, I don't do that, I don't do this, and it's all outwardly works. And it doesn't, it's totally ineffectual towards the sin nature, it doesn't stop you. You might be able to stop yourself for a day or two, or maybe a week, but it'll come back. The only way to combat the sin nature is through faith. Faith in what propositional truth has been told to you. Do you really believe that you're dead to sin? That you don't have to make a choice to sin? that you're free to make that choice and free to access the new nature which w- actually wants to obey. Do you really believe you're free or do you say to yourself, I just couldn't help myself. I was just in a weakened condition, Brandon. Um, you know, the temptation was too much for me. You're a liar if that's the case. God says, I have, I have put restrictions on your temptation that you're not tempted, tempted, or tempted beyond what you can bear, right? 1 Corinthians 10. So he's actually put the limitations. You cannot say, I couldn't handle it. No one can ever say that because he's put a limit. And plus, you have a choice. So when you bite into temptation and you bite the apple, you're doing it by choice. Not because I, I, you know, I just fell into sin, or it was too much for me. I was too tired. I had too much stress. I did this. I, you, there's no excuse for that anymore. But why do you think people want to use that excuse? That I just couldn't help myself. There's no Yeah, it relieves them of responsibility. Or the devil made me do it. The Flip Wilson theology, right? The devil made me do this, right? What, what people do when they make those excuses for themselves is they're, they're basically calling God a liar, number one. And number two, they're using that to be irresponsible and not be responsible to get out of the mess that they've created and not choose to do the right thing. All it is is a choice. That's what it is. It's a choice. Everyone has a choice now. And that's why everyone's without excuse. So you have a choice whether you're going to behave correctly or not. But don't gloss it over if you behave incorrectly and say, well, I mean, I just couldn't help myself. You know, I was uh, alone or whatever, and I was lonely, this and that. No, no, there's no excuse for that. Um, And that's that's part of understanding the sin nature. Okay. The other other things to combat the sin nature. Um, So obviously faith, but. One of the things about the sin nature is you have to understand what it pulls you to do. You have to understand where it's taking you, okay? So the sin nature wants to pull you into be taken care of, okay? It takes you away from responsibility. So if you fight that inside of yourself, like, you know, yeah, you know, I feel like being lazy today, or I, f- I feel like, you know... Um, just not being responsible i just want to i want to i want to not deal with it anymore and i find this a lot of times like for instance i'll give you an example um the older people get the less responsibility they want and actually that's a bad thing in many ways because they want less responsibility and i can tell that way because they don't want to pay their bills anymore Seriously, man, you haven't encountered this with older people. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done paying my bills. Well, what what are you going to do? I don't feel like paying them anymore. You're not dead. What what, what are you talking about? I don't want to pay them anymore. You deal with it. You want me to deal with it. You're not in a coma. You're not in a vegetated state. You can walk. You can drive a car. You can write checks, can't you? I just don't want to do it anymore. I didn't know we had that option. So I'm sitting there, and I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, is, "Is is this is part of the sin nature. Because the sin nature wants to be taken care of. And I noticed that the older people get, the more childlike they become. Why is that? I, it's not a knock on you guys. No, you're... <laughs> on anyone that's senior adults no I'm seeing this with my own parents I'm seeing it with my own parents so I'm I'm speaking out of my own family and I'm like you don't have the option to check out but I don't want to do it anymore what I'm raising kids I can't raise you But it's happening. I see it. So, I, I, And I get it. I get it. You know, like my dad, he's, he's 80-something years old. But he's functioning. He can go have coffee. Drives around. He does great. But he didn't want to pay his bills. <laughs> but I'm not doing it. Because he's not in that kind of capacity. And I, I, and I know what's happening with him. It's his sin nature taking over in his older age. And his sin nature doesn't want to do anything anymore. I get it. But at the same time, you're not in a convalescent home. You're not incapacitated. And the more I make you dependent on me, the worse you'll get. So I need to, you to keep independence for me. Um, so we don't get, go down the path of I'm, I'm a baby and I need my diaper changed. Because it, it, that will happen the minute you give up in life. The minute you start surrendering... Everything starts shutting down. Have you watched this with people? Their mental capacity starts shutting down. Everything, they just start closing up to the world. And you do not want to be in that state, guys. That's not a good place to be. Because what's happening is the sin nature is having its way and taking the person down to irresponsibility. Now, again, don't don't get me wrong. If you physically can't handle things, if you physically can't, of course we're going to help. Of course, you should expect your kids to help. Of course. But when you're fully capable and you just decide, I'm checking out, I'm checking out, you don't have that option. You just don't have that option. But what is that? That's an example of the sin nature. The sin nature wants you to check out. And I can feel it inside me. Do you feel it inside you? Like I'm done. There's a part of me that says, I'm done. I'm done. I don't want to deal with the stupidity of this world. It's ridiculous. And the sin nature pulls me into a Jonah attitude. Can you feel it? I can feel it. Like, forget you guys, man. I've told you, not you guys, but the world. Uh, Right? I'm speaking to the choir. But you know what I'm talking about? Uh, Terry goes on the radio every day. And we're we're speaking the truth, and you're speaking the truth to your friends, and the, uh, they're just listening to uh, listening to you, and you sound like the teacher from you know Peanuts, wah 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 wah. That's all they you sound like to them, right? And you're like, I'm not getting through to this person, and you're like, Bye, I'm done, I'm done, I don't want to do it anymore. You're not listening, fine. Then then go to the road of Armageddon. I don't care, you know. And you, you and there's that that's the sinature. The sin nature says, yeah, Brandon, forget them all. Let them all go to hell, right? That's what the sin nature is doing. I mean, you you don't have those feelings? I'm the only one? I must be unique. Um, But it it happens, right? But you have those Jonah moments, and you're like, where's that coming from? It's your sin nature. The sin nature is saying, let them go to hell. That's what the sin nature's saying, right? You see the fight in you? So the sin nature is pulling you in these directions. It's pulling you to disengage from the culture. It's pulling you from helping people. It's pulling you towards irresponsibility. And look, you don't have to... Be, you, I use an example of my mom... I'm, I'm sorry, my, my dad. But all you have to do is look what they're doing with the government and what people are not... They're not working... They have stopped working. And we've given trillions of dollars out to people who don't work. Why? Because the sin nature doesn't want to work. This, the Working is actually a command from God. Six days shall you labor. So what's the first thing the sin nature does when it hears that command? I ain't working. Forget you. I'm not working. That's the reaction of the sin nature. Remember I told you anything, any law God puts down, the sin nature says, I'm not doing that. And so you have a bunch of people in our society caving in to the sin nature saying, I don't want to work. I'd rather stay home and veg out on Netflix and order pizza and and eat eat potato chips the whole day and just simply veg out and become and start looking like Grimace from McDonald's because that's what will happen. You will turn into Grimace. If you want to look like Grimace, stop working and just start stuffing your face in front of Netflix all day and see what you look like. You will turn into Grimace. Anyone know what I'm talking about, Grimace? You remember Grimace? He was the purple dude. He had like this weird pear shape. Right? That's what will happen to you. You will morph into Grimace. But, 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 so if I know that's my proclivity, that the sin nature's drawing me toward the irresponsibility, drawn me away from society, the sin nature wants you to isolate. Did you know that? Isolation is the, the, the biggest flaw in dealing with your sanctification. You get your feathers ruffled. Oh, I got to go. I can't take it. And you go and disappear because someone ruffled your feathers. Really? That's the sin nature. And the sin nature wants you to get away from everybody and isolate and become a hermit. Why? Because when you're a hermit, you go nuts. You get weird. Right? It's not good for man to be alone. Let me, let me give you a creation issue. Why did God, if everything's good between Adam and God, is based on who we are, based on who we are, if he just created Adam and it was Adam and the Trinity, why did God create anything else? If that was enough for man, for Adam, why did he create anything else? You see, because this is the mentality of a lot of people. It's just going to be me and God. Right? So then why did God create creation? Why did he create Eve? If, If all God needed to do is create Adam and that was it, why did God go any further in creating creation and other human beings like Eve? Why did he do that? The answer to that question should stop all isolation, because if it is true that all it, all you needed was just you and God alone in a in a cabin at at Sycon up there in the mountains, you remember going to Sycon when you were a kid, and then you had the hermit's cabin. Okay, anyway. You didn't. You guys didn't do that in sixth grade. Where did you guys go? Hart Park or something? Where did you go? Anyway, they take sixth graders to the mountains, anyway. So you go to the mountains, and it was a whole week there, and it was a hermit's cabin, and you would climb up to the hermit's cabin. Okay. So, spiritually speaking, there's a lot of Christians that are practicing hermit Christianity, and it's just them alone with God. And they think that's okay why is that not okay this yes because you can't be all you need to be with just you and god if that were the case he wouldn't have created eve he wouldn't have done all creation You, you see what i'm saying So this is the mistake that the sin nature will make you think, well, I could just have my relationship with God and I'll just pull back and I'll just read my Bible Bible all day long in my apartment by myself. Forget everyone else because everyone else burned me, right? They do the broad brush. So it's just you and God. If that was healthy, he would have left it just him and Adam. That's it. But he didn't. Created the helpmate. And then humans would come from that relationship. And then creation and animals and all the other things that are part of creation. What was God saying to human beings? It's very simple and fundamental. It is not good to be alone. It's not healthy for Adam to be alone. Even though he has God right there, What's missing? Okay, well, he has his relationship with God. What's missing then? He needs another creature like him. And the dog does not to work. That's right. And a lot of people do. They isolate with their dog. And don't you do that. Because the dog, he can't, he's not reciprocal. You think he loves you. But it's because he feeds you or you feed him. Maybe he feeds your love or something. I don't know. But I can tell you this. Who is the master in the relationship? The one that picks up the poop or the one that who's the master? That's all I got to say. So if aliens came here. And they looked in the backyard and saw you picking up that guy's mess, they would say, the guy with the fur's in charge. Let's go talk to him. (laughs) They would. Who's picking up the feces? It ain't the dog. It's you. That's how you look to aliens. Anywho. Anyway. Anyway. uh, How did I get out there? Um... So, so he creates us in relational aspects and we need other creatures, uh, creatures like ourselves in order to properly function and do what he wants us to do. There's no way to other you look, how are you going to serve God? You only serve God by serving others. So there would be no way of serving God because what, what does God need from you? Nothing. He doesn't need anything from you. So how would you serve an infinite being? You can't. You can only serve him by serving other people. Oh, that's how it works. Yeah, that's how it works. Okay. And that's why he became one of us, because otherwise people would accuse him. Well, you don't feel what we feel. We're human beings. And we're creatures and you don't understand our own struggles and our, our sorrow because you've never felt what it felt, feels like to be a human and you've never experienced humanity. And what does he, God say? Oh, no. My son became a human and he has two natures and he knows what it feels like more than you do. Oh, so now uh, you now start understanding Why God then condescends to become a man in order to become a sympathetic high priest or someone that can feel the same pain that you and I can feel. Ah, okay. So what did he do? He wanted that degree of fellowship with us. And you can only have it through the God man. It's unbelievable to think about that. Because here's an infinite being. That spirit, and here we are we are corporal beings that have spirit and corporality, and he decided to come down to our level and be able to re- be that relatable. That's incredible. Okay, so let's wrap this up then. You must understand the general proclivities that the sin nature is pulling you to do. Isolate, irresponsibility, all those things are part of it, and if you allow that to happen then you will end up in a mess. So your you must go against your natural inclinations. So I'll give you an example. On Sunday morning, you're going to say, I don't feel like going to church because I'm too tired. And that's just the nature talking to you. And I don't want to see so-and-so. And I don't want to say hello to everybody. And I don't want to be nice. <laughs> but people tell me that. I just don't want to get involved, Brandon. It's just, uh, I hate that handshaking thing you guys do. I just hate it so much. I'm like, oh, my gosh. This is horrible. They just don't want anything to do any- with anybody. I said, look, just go. And I said, you'll feel better once you get around people and you, you get out and you're with people. And I'm, I know it's true. And they always say that. I'm glad I came. And, and why? Because it's, it, it, it's a, a soci- sociological thing that God has established that you need community. You need other people. You need to see other people. You need to be around people that are like-minded and believe the same things you do because it actually encourages you. And it kicks you in the pants. And sometimes you need a kick in the pants. You're in a spiritual stupor and you need someone to come run behind. Boom. Wake up, dude. What are you acting like that for? That's unbecoming of a Christian. And that's what coming to the body of Christ come, does for you. Because you can't act like that when you're with the body of Christ. You can only act selfish and self-absorbed by yourself. So to break that, you have to be around other people because you just can't act like that. So it's a, it's a masterful plan that God has established. And then, how do you, how do you get rid of irresponsibility? You serve. That's the answer. You serve. Who do I serve? Not yourself. You serve others. So one of the—I know this sounds crazy—but the biggest therapeutic thing for people to do to get out of depression, to get out of, of the, the you know this, these these bad feelings about themselves, you stop thinking about yourself and go help others. It is the most therapeutic thing you actually could do because now you've stopped your brain from thinking about yourself and you're focusing on how can I help them? How can I help them? How can I help them? And here's what I, I even tell my staff and I'll tell you this too. I tell my staff, look, dude, when you're here on Sunday morning, I need you to leave all your baggage behind. I need all that what's going on in your life to be left at home because you're here to serve. And we got people that are coming that bringing their baggage and they need help. And if all you're doing is navel gazing after your own self, then you can't help them. So you turn off, you detach from what's going on in your life so that I can serve. And that's what you have to do on Sunday mornings. I don't care if you're teaching a, a a youth class or whatever, or a, a, a third grade class. We're going to come in that third grade class and the kids are all happy. And say, I'm coming. I had a bad week, kids. No, shut up. Now let me get this through this lesson because I've had a bad week. Are you really going to do that? No. What do you have to do? You have to shut it off and then you have to be there for the kids, don't you? It's the most therapeutic thing you could actually do. It's very therapeutic. It gets you out of depression. It gets you out of moping. It gets you out of isolation. So God's plan is then to counter the sin natures, go serve. Go help others. That simple? Yeah, it's that simple. It's that simple. All right, we'll continue this talk next time on The Sin Nature. Let's take a five-minute break, and then we'll do uh, some current events. Thanks for joining us for another lesson. We hope that this message is a blessing for you and helps you grow towards a more mature understanding of God's Word. For more information about our ministry, we invite you to check out our website at rockharborchurch.net. Until next time, remember, keep looking up for our redemption draws near.